Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we're going to be talking about fear. We're going to be talking about fear. So go ahead and turn your Bible to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to talk about a story hopefully you've heard about before. And if not, it's going to be a fun day. It's Mark chapter 4. This is Jesus. He's with his disciples. And here's what it says. Chapter 30, or verse 35, it says, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. And as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And Jesus, my guy, was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and they shouted, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them this peculiar question. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. And even the wind and the waves obey him. As we talk about fear today, there is something that I used to say growing up that maybe you've heard of. And this is what we would say to people who are fearful. So I need you to use this colloquialism with me as well. You're going to help me preach, all right? What we used to say is, don't be scared. Don't be scared, right? So help me. Elbow the person next to you and say, don't be scared. Don't be scared. We're going to talk about fear today. Don't be scared. Open up your hearts to what God wants to do. Dear Father, thank you that in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of the world that we are in today, that your word to us is don't be scared because you are with us. We love you. It's your mind and we pray. Amen. And amen. I'm not going to out you today because I I believe we're family. So I'm just going to out myself and just say there are a couple of fears that I have in my life. But um, I'm not going to say I'm afraid of flying. I'm just going to tell you I don't like it. All right. There's just times I just do not like (laughs) to fly. And I think the reason why is because I've had some terrible experiences when it comes to flying. I mean, I've been on planes that have lost power at times in the main cabin. I, I was in a plane one time that was going to Mexico to go visit family, and we are in the plane. We are an hour into the plane, and the plane starts to go. Now, before I go further, let me explain also why I have uh, not a fear, but I'm a, I don't like flying, right? <laughs> Maybe it's denial. Anyway, let me tell you why. I have a, my wife's grandfather, and he would tell this story of him being a missionary in Africa, and he was flying in one of these small African planes, and he was sitting next to what he didn't know was a pilot. And as this plane was just going along, the guy calls one of the attendees to the front. And he says, listen, listen, do you hear that sound? 
That means this plane's getting ready to go down. I work on planes, and I'm a pilot, and if we don't have an emergency stop right now, if we don't land right now, we are all going to die. And sure enough, they landed the plane and saved everyone within the plane. Now, that rests in my head rent-free. I'm just telling you. And I am not qualified to know any sounds or any mechanical issues in the plane whatsoever, but I listen for them, right? This is just... What I do, what fear causes me to do. And so when, when I'm in the plane and it goes, I'm like, Lord, what is happening right now? Sure enough, they get on the plane and they get on the intercom and go, we have, uh, we've just lost two turbines and we're going to return back to DFW airport. And I don't know about you, I'd like to tell you that I'm like super safe Christian that didn't have any fears, but I literally said out loud, how many do we have? Like how many turbines are all of them gone? What are we, how do we, what's happening right now, right? Like, I've been to some rides that have just made me go, ugh, this is not my favorite thing. I, I can remember I was in one out from Tulsa to New Mexico, and as we we're going on this trip, first of all, I was already apprehensive because we were walking to the plane, and uh, I say walking because we had to get on the tarmac and walk up the stairs to get in, and I go into the plane, and it's one of those that only has one row on this side and two rows on this side, and like, I'm Team Husky, so I was like, have we balanced this out? Do you know which people are sitting which place? Because we need to make sure this thing is all right. And I already knew, I already had apprehension about this ride. But we get in and they start telling us that there's a storm on the way. Don't worry, everything's gonna be fine. Listen, I've done the research. I know planes don't go down because of turbulence, but I can't stand it. And we're here and we are in this plane and it gets so bad at times. It gets so bad that it feels like we're on a roller coaster. Literally, I am in this plane because I'm getting ready to go speak somewhere and I have turned away from praying about the message, now praying for my life. Jesus, don't let this thing go down. People are raising their hands. Ah! That's what they're doing in the plane. And that high-pitched scream was the same one I had, right? I'm just telling you. It's so bad that we're dropping 100 feet at a time, 30 feet at the time. I'm watching this cloud that we're trying to go around. I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like, this is crazy. What do you do in those moments? Like when you're facing a storm or you're facing something in your life and you look around and you're like, how did I get here and how are we going to get out of this place? <laughs> I can tell you what I did. I stopped flying for a little bit. I'm just being honest with you. I stopped doing it. <laughs> there, there was a time where I was supposed to go from San Antonio to Dallas, which is only like an hour flight. It's not a long flight once you're in the plane. But I decided I'm not doing that, so I am going to go drive, right? But the only way I could drive was to leave by 10 p.m. It's a four and a half hour drive. And I'm three hours into this drive on my third uh, Red Bull and my second bag of hot Cheetos because that's all I could do to keep my eyes pried open. And I start to think to myself, you know what? I'm so sick of this. I'm not even driving this car right now. My fear is driving it. The, the only reason why I'm here it's because I've allowed fear to drive my life. And can I just be honest? And can we be vulnerable enough today to say that fear drives all of us? All of us have a fear or fears in our life that drives us. That's just what it means to be a human. It's, it's fear. We all face them. And there are some healthy fears and there are some unhealthy fears. As a matter of fact, one university just did a study in the fall of 2022. 
in which they examined thousands of people with 90 fears and asked them, what are your top fears? Rank number one was the corruption of political officials. Right? This is 2022, so it might have heightened up a little bit over the last couple months, right? And the top 10 was economic downfall. And so you see these fears are driving people. And for some of y'all, that stuff drives you to Facebook. Stop posting about it, please. So anyway, this, this, some of y'all, it drives you towards that. And some of us, it drives us towards anxiety and f- towards fear and towards worry and towards isolation. And, and fear is driving us today, whether we recognize it or not. Some of the choices you make on a daily, weekly, monthly basis are driven by the fears that you have in your life. This is also true of our, our young adults and, and even those who are single where, where maybe you are in a relationship and you know this relationship is not going anywhere. You, you know it's dysfunctional. You know you need to leave this relationship, but you're like, if I, don't, if I leave this relationship, who else is out there? How else is this going to work out? Or maybe you feel, you're single and you're like, God, when, when am I going to get a chance? And so you, you drive, your choices are driven by your fear of being alone. Or maybe you're a parent like me, and you come to realize this, this really daunting thing that is once your child is born, you only have 936 weeks with them before they are out of your house and in college. Which seems like a lot, to be honest. Until I recognize my oldest daughter who just graduated kindergarten and is getting ready to go to first grade in six weeks. In six weeks, I will only have 600 weeks with her left. And if you have a middle schooler going into sixth grade, 358. If you have a high schooler, 200. And it is coming quickly. And there is a ticking clock in the back of your mind reminding you and driving you towards fear. And uh, and you are looking at your kid and you're saying, my kid can't even fold clothes. How are they going to be out in the world around us? And even though my kids are young, you know what it drives me to do? It drives me to control. It drives me to just say I have to correct every poor choice because every poor choice is the potential that's going to lead them to a life down the wrong path, even though they're four. Instead of recognizing that they're just little sinners like I am. And although laws help with little sinners, grace is the thing that is super helpful. So instead, it drives me to hold on more and to correct stronger rather than to give grace. Fear drives each and every one of us. And some of those are good fears, but not all fears are terrible. Some are good. Like, so there are fears, like if you've ever been in a car accident before, or you've been sideswiped, excuse me. Ooh, getting over cold. Have you ever been in a car accident before? And then you see someone on your blind side. I'm going to drink another water. (laughs) It's back. I'm back. All right. Have you ever been in a car accident before and you see someone and they've blindsided you or sideswiped you? You look twice on your blind side. Why do you do that? You do that because of the fear that you've experienced in a car accident and you're looking towards that and you're saying, I don't want to go through that again. That's a healthy fear. I, I live in Florida, and I don't know if you've seen any of the 
like social media stuff about in Florida people. <laughs> it's a great state, but there's some crazy stuff that's happening. Like, have you seen this guy who catches an alligator in his trash can? Have you seen this before? This is crazy. Alligators everywhere, right? This is true. So what does that drive me to do? When I'm walking and I'm by a lake, I'm taking triple looks. I'm not doing that, right? That's healthy. There are some fears that drive you towards healthiness and some fears that drive you towards unhealthiness. And so it leads me to think that it's not just about the fear. It's about where this fear is driving you towards. It's driving you closer or further away. And this is the very predicament that the disciples have found themselves in. They are on a boat. But before they get to the boat, We read in the beginning of Mark chapter 4 that Jesus is telling parables. As a matter of fact, we see in his life that he tells anywhere from 30 to 50 parables. And so this day particularly, he's telling three or four parables. Parables about the sower and parables about the lamp. And the disciples are like, why do you tell so many parables? As the verse we read shows that he tells them. Jesus tells the disciples, these parables are to help you to lean into what I'm saying so that you can come to realize that I'm revealing who I am and all about this kingdom. So after telling parables, he, jumps to, he tells them to jump into the boat so maybe they can find a new revelation of who he is. So they're in this boat, and, and at first when you read this, you're like, this is just a lake. These people are dramatic, right? This is, that's the first time I read it. But then I started to realize half of these disciples are fishermen. And they've probably, probably been through a lot of storms before. So for them to get to the place where they're like, Jesus, help me, probably on a small storm. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the waves are going into the boat. So my question to you is if fear is driving you, and we all face these fears, what is your fear driving you to do? Psychologists typically say that there are a couple ways that you and I respond to these fears. This is true of everyone. And I'm going to talk about three real fast that are the most prominent. The first is we freeze. We freeze. We, we just, we face paralysis. I, I didn't know that this was a real thing until I did my first youth trip. It was actually here at Foundation Church. We were driving to Destin, Florida to go do a youth trip. We got 15 passenger vans. I'm driving the lead one with the trailer in the back, right? And so we're in the middle of the boonies, right? We're just driving through. And I see a deer, and a deer is crossing the road. And the deer hasn't fully stopped, but I have this great idea in which I'm going to honk the horn so it just goes a little bit further, right? Like, just get out of the way. That's not what the deer did. I honked the horn, the deer said, <laughs> and stayed there. Didn't move, just stayed right there. And I, ah! I was like, what am I doing? So, so we tried to turn the van, get out of the way. It hits a little bit of the trailer. We're trying to go, everyone's safe. That's why I'm still a youth pastor today. But it was a crazy moment, <laughs> right? Because it froze. And the truth is for us, We face fear, and some of you, it causes you to freeze. Paralysis. Have you ever experienced something that has just made you say, I don't even know what to do or to pray or to say in this moment? That's the freeze. Where you get that report, you went to the doctor, and and you hear the thing, and and everything just goes dim, and you're, what? 
or your kid tells you something, you never thought that they would do that or that they would experience that and you, you, you don't know what to do in that moment. Some of us, the first thing we respond to our fear with is, is, is with freezing. But what if there's a better action step that we could take beyond just freezing in the moment? Others of us, it isn't freezing, it's, it's flight. We run, we take off when we face fear. And I resonate with this because before I got married and have kids, that was my number one response to fear. I'm being honest with you. Now, we said we were family, right? I said, I'm your cousin. I'm your brother, right? Let's just, so I'm going to tell you this story, but don't judge me. This is my wife and I. At the time, we had only been dating like two months. And we decided we're going to go on a walk, which was mistake number one, because why would anyone go on a walk in the wilderness? Anyway, we were like, let's go. We're going to take a little scenic walk. And we're going. Now, I got to tell you, the news had just came out the week before that they were finding animals in this woods, right? And uh, so we're walking and I can remember going with uh, my then girlfriend and I hear something and I stop. I look at her and she look at me. I say, you hear that? She said, nah, I think it's just the wind. So we keep going. (laughs) Then I start to hear something like footsteps running towards us. And I would like to tell you that I was such a good boyfriend that I picked her up and said, you're coming with me, babe. And I ran away with her. That is not what I did. I did this. That's what I did. I just, I did one of those. And the worst part is I'm over here and like, I'm like 30 feet away and I turn around and she's in the same place. Okay. And she's looking at me and I'm looking at her like, are you wanting to die or are you wanting to go? Which one is it? I don't understand. Right? That's, that, I, I understand the fighting, on the flighting, the leaving, the running. And this is what some of us do in our life as well. You face something and you become a runner away from that thing. Yeah, I don't want to face this. You know what I already have? I have so much stuff I got to deal with right now. I'm just going to go sleep instead. I, I'm just not going to even deal with that. I'm not going to open any more letters. From, I'm not going to handle any more of that. And some of you, this is also true spiritually. That you're trying to work out this whole Jesus thing in your life and everything you face, you say, ah, this is why I don't follow him all the way. Or maybe I should just leave this behind and go back to the life that was so much better. Some of us, we, we freeze some of us, we, we run, we have flight. And other of us, we fight. We fight. Freezing, I understand, like, but, but there's a better action step. Flighting, maybe we can face something rather than running away from. And fighting, I think it's hilarious because this is my wife's response to everything, right? I'll just be honest with you. My wife is five foot four and no more than 125 pounds, but I have seen her wave her finger in the face of a six foot three grown man because she will fight anyone. This is just true. This is my wife. I call it the Latina heat because she is just ready to fight anyone at any time. This past week, our kids had VBS. Mama Bear, whole nother level, right? Our kids have VBS. I got to go pick up my daughter from VBS and the person who was like the group leader of my daughter, she came up to me, seventh grader. She says, "Ah, yeah, your daughter was really sassy today. And I was like, oh, okay. Tell me more. Like, tell me why, why she was that way. Can you give me an example? No, but I just think as her parents, you should have more conversation with her about that. So I said, hmm, thanks, seventh grader. And so I took my daughter (laughs) 
and my car, I mean, my wife is in the car, and that is for the grace of God on behalf of the seventh grader, because I go to her, and I go, now listen, I just want to tell you this, but don't go crazy. So I told her, I was like, this, you know, they said she's sassy, she's da-da-da, and as I, I turn towards her, and she's already unclipping her earrings, right? This is what... And she looks at me and she goes, I am not a pastor at this church. I'm going to go in there and talk to her myself. And I said, baby, just chill. I'm not turning the car around. This is her. She's ready at all times to fight. And some of you, every single thing you face, you're just, you're ready to go at it. Maybe it's through anger. Maybe it's through self-defense. But what, what do you do when you face something that you can't fight? How are these disciples going to fight the winds and the waves? Maybe there's a better way to fight when we face fear. And I'm sure these disciples are experiencing all three of these. Some of them frozen, don't know what to do. Some of them, if they could, they would run out of that boat as fast as they could. And others are fighting. And maybe it was the fighting in them that made them go, Jesus, wake up. So Jesus wakes up, and he actually helps the disciples to see these are not your only responses that you have available to you to fear. There's another one. It's faith. That you can respond to the fear that you experience in life with faith. When the Bible is speaking about fear, it puts it in these two categories for the most part. And, and the first category is a spirit of fear. And a spirit of fear is defined as this overwhelming, overtaking, controlling fear that you have in your life. It causes one of these first three responses. I'm not saying these responses are all bad. I'm saying if that is your primary way to face fear, you are stuck in this place of a spirit of fear. And we see this in the Bible, even in 2 Timothy. When Paul warns us, God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. And so clearly there's another response. The other way that the Bible speaks about fear is by showing us that we can have a fear of God. An awe-inspiring perspective of who he is. I love this quote about the spirit of, uh, of uh, the, excuse me, the free, the fear of God by, by Dr. Paul Tripp. Here's what he says. He says, to fear God means that my life is structured by a sense of all worship and obedience that flows out of recognizing him and his glory. He becomes the single most important reference point for all that I desire think, do, and say. God is my motive and God is my goal. The fear of God is meant to be the central organizing force in my life. And so you have these two fears that are present here in our text today. You have this moment in which they wake up Jesus. And Jesus says, why do you Fear? Why are you afraid? Which when you read it on his face, you're like, maybe you were sleeping, Jesus, but before you woke up, this was crazy. But the word he uses there is the exact same Greek word 
that's using the verse I just said about 2 Timothy, not having a spirit of fear and timidity. It means cowardice. Instead, he says, do you not have faith, which is the option here, that you could turn towards? Because if you did, you'd come to recognize the very next verse that the disciples have realized. And the Bible says that they were absolutely terrified. From afraid to terrified, that word terrified in the Greek is the same word for awe. It's the same word they say when someone comes to meet an angel or someone comes to meet uh, something that's divine. And it is at this moment that the disciples have come to realize that when you face the biggest and most threatening fears in your life, the other option you can have is to turn towards a fear of God and understand that greater is he that's in the boat with you than anything you face outside of the boat. Their storm caused them to recognize who Jesus was, which caused them to have awe of him in his life, in their life. Today, your fear is already driving you. But you can allow fear to drive you to faith instead. There's two ways. The first way is to remember who's in the boat with you. The interesting thing about this is number one, Jesus always knew that they were going to go through the storm. This isn't new to him. Yet he allowed the storm in their life. And don't get me wrong, he calmed the storm, but I have to ask, why did he allow them to go through the storm? That's because Jesus' primary focus in your life isn't your storms, it's your soul. As a matter of fact, he'll allow you to go through storms so you come to recognize who he is in the middle of the storm. In the midst of the storm that you're in right now, could, could you come to realize who's with you? What's intriguing about this is because all throughout the Old Testament, anytime you see these stories of miracles like Elijah and Elisha and all these people who perform these incredible miracles, when it comes to storms and it comes to uh, the weather, in the Old Testament, there's basically only two people who do that. That's either Satan or God. And so the fact that Jesus calms the storm makes them terrified because they've come to realize he's not just a good person. This is God in the boat. Can I just remind you that God is in the boat with you? He's not a far off God that's left you to deal with this storm by yourself, but he's right there. Although it may look like he's sleeping, he's present. Second thing, once you remember who's in the boat with you, you trust him with everything outside the boat. You want to know how I became uh, able to deal with flights? As a matter of fact, my first leg of flight yesterday when I was coming in town, I sat in the seat and they said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a storm on our entrance into ATL. So you can expect a lot of turbulence. Right? Here's how I've come to overcome it. The first thing I did is I started placing myself in a place where I can see the face of the flight attendant. And the reason why is because I figured to myself, these people face storms on a daily basis. This is probably their second time to face the storm today, as a matter of fact, right? So if I look at them and they're all right, we're good, right? Like, if you're good, we're good. 
except there was a time that they weren't good, right? And they were afraid themselves. And at that time, I was like, what do I do? And it was in that moment that God reminded me that I'm looking at the wrong face. That I ought to be facing God in the process. So now when I get in a plane, the first thing I do is I put my earphones in because I don't want to hear no sounds. And I put worship music on so that I can face God rather than the storm around me. What the disciples should have done is instead of running around and freezing and flighting and fighting, they should have turned towards God in their boat and said, if he's sleeping, we all right. If you are facing anything in your life that doesn't have the audacity to sleep through your storm, you are facing the wrong thing. You need to be facing God and trusting him with everything else that you're facing. Everyone stand with us. We're all being driven by fear and you have an option today to choose where it's driving you towards, away from God or towards him? Towards your own means of how to cope and deal with it or towards trusting him with what you're going through? We as a family, we are going through this in this season my wife's father is, uh, he, he reminds me of the commercial of the most interesting man, right? This is a guy who's traveled multiple countries on a Harley Davidson. He's, he's won awards for like the most taco eating competitions and hot wings. And like, this is just, that's him, right? Almost iconic in my mind. Except approximately four weeks ago, he goes to the hospital thinking he's de- dehydrated and comes to find out he has lung cancer. So we fly my wife out there to be with him because honestly, we don't know. We hadn't heard the test results. Test results come back and they say, this is stage four cancer. And you have more than one type of lung cancer. And it's inoperable. And the only option that we have is to do chemotherapy. And in that moment, I I got to witness our family and see Some froze, paralyzed by the news. What? It's dehydration. Some just took at us too much and they didn't want to deal with it. I just can't be here. Some, we're going to fight everything that we can absolutely do. This is, when I looked at my my father-in-law, he said, Doc, thank you for being honest with me. And I hope you're honest with me from this point forward because I want you to know, yes, this is bad news. Chemotherapy isn't the only option I have because I know a God in heaven who brings healing and we're gonna fight this thing and we're gonna go through chemo and we're gonna, but all of this isn't in that hands. This is all in the hands of God and I trust him with this from this point forward. So as Jesus begins the day telling parables to reveal who he is to disciples, he shows up in their very life, giving them a live illustration that he is beyond just a good teacher, but is the God that's in their life that can help them face any fear that they may face if they turn towards him and instead choose to allow their fear 
to drive them to faith. And you have that same choice today. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.